I think it all comes down to the shift where instead of treating your podcast as a direct monetization channel, you start to think about indirect monetization strategies. So let's define the two. So a direct monetization strategy would be you getting money as a host because of the podcast itself. But by far the more lucrative approach is to treat your podcast as a marketing channel to promote your own products and services, to build up your own authority so that maybe you can get paid as a speaker or as an expert. Welcome to the She Shines podcast with your hosts, brand photographer and serial entrepreneur, Anna Laura, and super proud career woman with a passion for entrepreneurship, Alex. Tune in for some connection, community, and girl talk. Plus, join their conversations with other entrepreneurs and professionals who've been there, built that, and are paying it forward. They'll take your burning questions and turn them into actionable steps with a glass of champagne in hand. Here we go. Since starting this podcast in 2020, we get asked on the rig about how to (laughs) actually start a podcast or even if it's worth starting one, we get asked how to monetize it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have an existing podcast and like all these podcast questions. And here are two things that we know for sure when it comes to podcasts. Number one, we are beyond grateful for our podcast and how it's allowed us to connect with so many new women, both Mm -hmm. you listening as well as the guests that we've had on. Plus, it's given us the opportunity to share actionable advice with our community to grow profitable businesses, right? All right, this is your your mini, your mini business school. And two, that was a really long number one, Um, but number two, while we know some of the answers to your podcast cues, it is very true that we don't actually know it all. No, no. Very comfortable telling you that. Absolutely. So, you know, Alex and I, we do not claim to be experts in everything, but we will find you the expert like our guest today, Melissa Guller. Yes, Melissa is the founder of Wit and Wire, where she helps creators turn their skills and passions into profitable online businesses. Leveraging her past experience from her full-time job working for Teachable and Ramit Sethi, she's taught thousands of students through her online courses, and she is on a mission to help more women earn money online doing the work that they love. So in this episode, we are going to chat about some frequently asked questions that we get about monetizing your podcast and we're so excited to finally give those answers to you all and melissa just shares so many amazing tips so let's just dive right on in welcome back to the she shines podcast we are here today with melissa guller ceo of wit and wire melissa say hello to all our listeners hey everyone so excited to be here Oh, we're super pumped to have you tuning in all the way from NYC. New York represent. Very exotic. Me in this 400 square foot box. It's a real party. I love it. That is prime real estate. All right. Or just be New York City girl. (laughs) You joke, but like it is. Yes. Actually actually being serious here. (laughs) So Melissa, we, we know you're the CEO of Wit and Wire. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of what led you to starting your business and kind of what led you into, into entrepreneurship in general? Well, I always joked that I never really knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. My sister is now a doctor. So she always had this very linear plan. Mm. Meanwhile, I was over here just making my best guess. So (laughs) I speed through (laughs) very relatable. I'll speed through kind of my career from college and the degree I never used. So I got a bachelor of music, thought I wanted to work for a record label. And I did that briefly, but you quickly realize that maybe there's a place for the things that you love that is separate from the ways that you may want to earn money. So I graduated and said, let's not even try and worked my way through jobs in corporate events at tech startups. And eventually the job I held before my own business was working four years for a company called Teachable, which is a course creation platform that now powers my own business. So I think as I moved through different jobs, it became obvious to me that I love to teach. I was always helping out my peers. I was always trying to solve problems and help do things in a more efficient way. And I was always this like behind the scenes person. I was the go-to girl for all kinds of questions. And then I think my real 
entrepreneurial zest came from my dad. He and his father are both entrepreneurs. They run their own businesses. I was the only third grader who could spell entrepreneur when I was (laughs) asked what my dad did for work. And I never really thought that would be a path for me. I thought I might climb up a ladder, but as I started to work in tech startups in particular, you just start to see how much opportunity is out there. And the creative freedoms that came with running my own business were really appealing. So I had some different side jobs we can talk about. And I think one of the biggest benefits that you can have as a full-time employee is the freedom to try different things on the side before you Mm. go all in. So today I run my business full-time as the founder and CEO of Witten Wire, and I help creators turn their skills and passions into profitable online businesses. But it's definitely been a journey. I was doing this in a two-year overlap with my last job. And I think all the little pieces have just added up to help me help more women launch their businesses and their podcasts. So I'm thrilled to talk about any part of it and to really get into all things podcasting and business with both of you. Mm, I, I love that you, thank you for your honesty and saying, you know, working the last two years at teachable, but still growing your business on the side. Um, in addition to that, because we serve multi-passionate women who are in that exact same place, like myself included, you know, I work full time, just started my own private practice, but in growing she shines, right. And Anna Laura has a photography business on top of she shines. So we just love when we have guests come on and, and speak towards the importance of what role that full-time job can play in your entrepreneurial journey, right? Giving you that freedom and flexibility to kind of test out what you want to do and and where you want to be rather than saying, quit your job right now and go full-time into entrepreneurship, right? Well, sometimes that works for some people, but um, just thank you for, for sharing your experiences and your, your journey. And I also love another thing that you said, um, that you were going back towards like what people were always asking you, like what you were the go-to girl for. And we always tell our clients, like in trying to figure out like your next step, like what is that question that you're constantly getting from people? Like, what are you known for in your group of friends? Like, what do they come to you for? So, and that's a really great way to figure out like, oh, like maybe my skills are in this, like you said, like this behind the scenes work and, and helping people be more efficient. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And I think we undervalue our expertise sometimes because Mm -hmm. I answer a lot of the questions over and over about getting the right podcast microphone, or even about online courses. A lot of my students ask how I have created my own courses, but sometimes I forget the beginner steps. And I think, oh, it's too easy. I shouldn't talk about these things. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows how to do this thing. I know how to do. And especially the world of algorithms really plays into it because Mm -hmm. if you follow experts in your area of expertise, it feels like, oh gosh, everyone knows this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think we forget that our knowledge is always new to someone. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree with you. Those questions people are asking you, especially the ones that might feel like they're so elementary or so beginner level. I think those are huge opportunities for you to figure out. Maybe this is a problem that I can start solving for people and getting paid to do it. Oh, that is amazing advice to Mm -hmm. really lean into your own entrepreneurship journey or your own offer, whatever that is. Maybe you're, you're just in the ideation phase and you're wondering what is it that people are asking me? Mm-hmm. I love that you, you recommend not forgetting those beginner, you know, elementary quote unquote mm-hmm. questions or, or tasks, because you're right. Like Alex and I, we've talked about this so much, like it feels second nature to us, but then we'll have a conversation with our significant others or like my mom. And I'm like, wow, like this feels so second nature. And it is at this point, but it's not to everybody. So mm-hmm. I absolutely love that advice. Exactly. And, so and I yeah, go ahead. So one of the original side hustles I had, I was teaching in-person classes at general assembly in New York. They were Excel data analytics, super nerdy stuff, but I loved it. It helped me learn that I loved to teach and it helped me become a great teacher, which is definitely a skill. But what I also think is important is that after class, I remember vividly, somebody came up to me and she said, do you offer tutoring? Mm. And I did not, but that's not what I said. I said, yes, I do. Let me get back to you with my rates. (laughs) And then I went home and I furiously Googled rates. And then I emailed her the next day as though I did that. Like it was a regular part (laughs) of my, my life. So that kept happening. Then somebody said, Hey, do you do business consulting? And I said, yes, let me get back to you with my (laughs) rates. And so I think there's a real power in saying yes to opportunity. 
where Mm. if you look at somebody who's been in business for a while, it may appear as though they came up with that idea and then executed it flawlessly. But instead, I think if you are known for your skills, or even if you just have a website and you put up a little work with me page that just has a contact form, that's all you need to be Mm -hmm. in business. So I think it is a service to yourself to just make it known that people could pay you if they would like, because you never know what could happen. That is such good (laughs) advice. I love it. I love it. Say yes to opportunities. Yes. Yes, Yeah. Let people pay you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Let the money come to you. It can happen. So what would be of, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm really excited to get into this though. Like speaking of letting the money come to you, I want to get into monetizing your podcast. Uh, Yes. 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 This I feel like is something that, that our clients come to us asking about quite a bit. They want to start a podcast or they have a podcast and they're looking to make money from it. So we work with those multi-passionate women who are, you know, not only juggling multiple types of roles and or multiple roles in their life, but they have like multiple offers, um, types of content within their business. A lot of these, like I said, are podcasters do, does your follower number or number of downloads matter? Like when is the right time to begin monetizing your podcast? We have so many questions (laughs) we just can't wait to get into. And these might feel elementary to you at this point, (laughs) but we are so excited to dive in Melissa. They definitely don't. This is one of my favorite topics because I am in the business of helping more women earn money. And that's why I could talk about this every single day. (laughs) So let's start with the old school way of earning money as a podcast host. So I'm sure everybody tuning in has heard of sponsorship because that is the number one way people think you should earn money as a host. The goal is to start your podcast, get enough listeners so that eventually you could pitch sponsors so that you could earn a little bit of money. That's what I think we're all taught, whether it's directly Mm -hmm. or just indirectly by listening to our favorite shows. But the problem with sponsorship is that even if you have a huge audience, it's not nearly as lucrative as people think. So if you have a thousand listeners per episode, which by the way, that would put you in the top percent of top 10% of all podcasts, like Mm -hmm. that number would be huge. Mm -hmm. So if you get a thousand listens per episode, you could earn before I tell you, actually, let's play a game. <laughs> let's have you guys guess how much money you think you could earn for one episode. If you know the answer, that's okay too. Do you either of you know? No, no. Okay. Let's play a guessing game. That's and what you're here. Play along too, <laughs> right? Okay. So how much money can you make for this episode? Who wants to go first? I'm going to guess $250. All right. So there's number one. Alex's guess is locked in. Okay. Anna Laura, what do you think? I I'll take the under. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> how much do you think it could be? Um, I'll go with 175. Okay. So <laughs> the price is for right. an episode that has a thousand downloads, if a sponsor booked both the pre-roll at the beginning and the mid-roll on average suspense is building, yes, you could earn $45. Oh <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Yeah. 45 was, to 60. Like, let's say you could pitch a little bit above. What? I would say $60 is about what you could expect. I was waiting for like a 145, hundred, like another. Yeah. Another you guys can't see, but like, I'm looking at Anna Laura's face and she is like shook. Like <laughs> the hand is literally over mouth gasping. And that's how I felt when I learned that number two, because if you imagine just the amount it of work me. it would take, it does hurt. Right. Because yes. people come to me And their question is, how do I find sponsors? But that's not the question I want to ask. I want to ask the question, how do I earn money? (laughs) Because the answer is not get a sponsor, right? The answer is, let me figure out what is the most profitable revenue channel for my podcast. And I think it all comes down to the shift where instead of treating your podcast as a direct monetization channel, you start to think about indirect monetization strategies. So let's Mm. define the two. So a direct monetization strategy would be you getting money as a host because of the podcast itself. That would be things like traditional sponsorship. It could be merchandise, which will never pay the bills, but honestly is kind of fun and is a little bit of marketing. It could be things like paid gated episodes or a paid community or paid supporters like Patreon. Those are all direct monetization strategies and they can be the right fit for some shows. But by far the more lucrative approach 
is to treat your podcast as a marketing channel to promote your own products and services, to build up your own authority so that maybe you can get paid as a speaker or as an expert to even promote products as an affiliate. And then you can earn a commission. Mm -hmm. So it's a real mindset shift. But once you start to think of your podcast as a marketing channel, then the money can really start to come in. And I can give direct examples. I released two episodes of Witten Wire's podcast within the same month. The only sponsor I ever got, and I just did it for the data, but I was able to pitch and get 60 bucks for that episode. Two weeks later, may have been before, but they were within the mm -hmm. same month. I had a different episode where I can directly attribute $4,500 of client revenue because I ask clients how they heard about me mm. and people cited that episode specifically. So that's me measuring based only on the people who talked about it, let alone regular podcast mm -hmm. listeners who eventually became clients or the majority of my business, 80% of my revenue is course revenue. So that's really where most people end up purchasing from Witten Wire. But I think that that's really what it comes down to. And then once you know that being a podcaster who makes money is all about you selling your own products and services or even affiliate products, then you can start earning my money. Then you can start earning money right from day one because you can always talk about your own business and even tools, services, products that you love, but it's not salesy. I think that's another myth we should probably debunk because people Ooh, yeah. feel very salesy about pitching on their own podcast about your own services. But ultimately these people are coming to you because they trust you. Mm -hmm. You probably have the thing that solves their problem. And it would be a disservice not to tell them about what you could do to help them. But I think where you could go wrong is just treating your episode as a giant infomercial. Instead, if you have a 30 second pitch, that's really clearly about what you do and how you can help with a clear call to action, people respect that and they'll remember it better. So whether you put that near the start of the episode or maybe near the end, I think just having a clear moment that is a sales moment is going to be the best for both you and the listener, but you shouldn't be afraid to sell because you are ultimately serving people. So why not offer your help? Yes. So glad you said that because we literally have said the exact same thing, like verbatim to our clients, you like, <laughs> you would be doing a disservice if you do yeah. not share this amazing mm -hmm. offer with people. Um, so yeah, I'm glad, I'm it's glad funny you said that. Too. I'm thinking back to like our own podcast. And if you listen early to earlier episodes, you'll hear like we did some affiliate, um, affiliate marketing. We had mm -hmm. like a couple of those like sponsored, um, episodes, but then we kind of shifted into focusing on talking about like what we offer here, mm -hmm. um, and, and how we can help or, or even just like our text message number, you know? Um, so I love, I love that you said that. And also about like not treating your entire podcast as an <laughs> infomercial, um, like telling people about it in a sales moment at the, at the beginning or end of your episode. Like I absolutely love that. Um, but having like not being afraid to have that clear call to action and, and tell people what it is that you even do and how you can even serve them. Yeah, exactly. Or if you have, let's say a signature program, you have a signature offer. It is more than okay for you to mention that during your episode, mm -hmm. just the name of it. I'm not even talking about pitching it, but sometimes in the middle of an episode, I'll have a great case study of a student and her podcast and how well she did. Mm -hmm. So I might say, oh, one of my podcast launch accelerator students, she just launched her podcast about interspecies communication. And then I'll talk about that. And it's really about her. But I think that too often we really hide what we mm -hmm. offer. It's almost as though we feel it's taboo to mention our products and services. Mm -hmm. So don't forget to bring them up in conversation. It is not uh, taboo and you are allowed. It's your podcast. You can do what you want. Yes, please, please. And, uh, yeah, if you're probably wondering like, why aren't I making any sales or like, why is my business not moving forward? It's like, well, when was the last time you talked about your business? Right? When, was, when was the last time you, you were talking about your offers, what you provide, what you're selling. And, and like you said, I think oftentimes we think like, if we talk about it once or post about it once, like, mm -hmm. well, that's enough. Like it's up there. People can find it and they can look at it. Right. But it's like, no, like they need to keep hearing it, especially if you are a new business owner, but even more so if you're a seasoned business owner, you know, like people need to know what you got going on. Exactly. We pay way more attention to what we do than anyone else. Yes. <laughs> and I think that that's actually a blessing because we're so worried about the absolute smallest things, mm -hmm. but the truth is most people don't notice. And yeah. so I think that that is a plus overall, 
but people need repetition. We all need to hear, I think it's this rule of seven. It's an older marketing mm-hmm. theory. People need mm-hmm. to hear a message seven times before they'll take action. But I think kind of one more note on being in anonymity, feeling like you're a smaller podcaster. I think that in a world of likes and followers and social media, if you only get 50 downloads for your podcast episodes, somehow that feels like a failure. But if you imagine 50 people showing up to hear you speak every week in a room, then it starts to feel amazing. Mm -hmm. So I think podcasting is a real quality over quantity medium and the relationships that you build with listeners are so real. And the fact that they keep showing up every week is a sign of a deep relationship as opposed to social media, where I feel it's much more surface level. So even if your numbers feel small to you, I would just encourage you that podcasting is a long game. You're also creating evergreen content that will last for months, if not years after Mm -hmm. the launch date. And I know for my business, and I'm sure this is true for you too, as well, since you have such a library of episodes, people find all episodes at all different times. And I use my podcast episodes in my marketing from my welcome sequence, where I reference popular mm-hmm. episodes that are still relevant to new people who have just found me. And so I think that's one of the real magic moments of podcasting is the fact that once you create an episode, it can continue to be valuable for such a long amount of time afterwards that it really makes, I think the difference for a lot of business owners to keep building those relationships. Mm. Yes. There's so much goodness here. <laughs> yes. So much goodness. I mean, we're, and we're so excited too, that they're here talking about this and the whole idea of this evergreen content, because we know that the, the content creation, like the hamster wheel, it is, it is real. It can lead to burnout. Like we, we've been there, we've experienced it and we know women in our community have as well. And so when you're able to create something once like a podcast and put it out in the world, and then also use it like, Mm -hmm. like you said, in everything you use it in your emails, you use it in your Instagram. Like I'm I'm sure your other social media marketing as well, but it's just, it's just one less thing you got to do. You know, (laughs) one less thing you have to create, it's already done and you can Mm -hmm. take pieces from that. We're all about repurposing here and trying to make your life simple. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is, I, I absolutely love this, that it, it is evergreen. So you know, for you newbie podcasters out there, or you've been wanting, we get this question all the time. And so we would love to know from you, the pro here, what are, what would you consider to be the major do's and don'ts when beginning your podcast and then beginning to monetize your podcast? Let's start off obviously with the do's. So I think Mm -hmm. a big one is that people come into podcasting with a sense of what they want to talk about. They've got a topic in mind, but something I teach in my courses, I call a winning podcast formula where instead of just having a topic, I also want to add on two more pieces, your ideal listener and a benefit. Mm -hmm. So people may come in and say, I want to have a podcast about yoga. Well, that's great. But what if it is for teenagers compared to busy moms compared to somebody with hip pain? identifying who your clear listener is, I think is huge. And I think the listener is actually a real advantage for people who are multi-passionate because even with wit and wire, I knew I wanted to start by talking about podcasting, but professionally, my experience is a lot to do with online courses and running an online business as well. But when I started the business, I wanted to stay focused on one thing at first. And I knew as long as I was talking to one ideal person, as she evolved, I could evolve as well. So my ideal person is an entrepreneurial woman. It's somebody who might want to sell her own courses or her own coaching services online. And yes, podcasting is important to her, but so could digital marketing strategies or online course creation. And it's not that I have to do all those things. It's just that by falling in love with an ideal person, both of us can adapt as we grow over time and trends change, social media changes. So if you went into a business, let's say, and you decided to be a Twitter expert, that's going to be a real challenge because ultimately TikTok is out there. Who even knows what's coming next with clubhouse (laughs) and all these other things. But if you went into it and your goal was to help a specific person build their online presence, now you can adapt as the times adapt. So I would say if you're a new podcaster, maybe you already have a sense of who your person is, but fall in love with that person, figure out what they want. And then the third piece of that formula is to figure out what's in it for them. We are either tuning in to something to be entertained, to be educated, to feel less alone. It doesn't have to be that your benefit is 
that you learn business strategies about digital marketing. Like certainly that could work for some people, but it could just be that maybe you want to feel like you're part of a community, that you're not the only person feeling this way about something. And that feeling of belonging is a huge benefit. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's the case for listeners for our podcast episode right now, but entertainment is huge as well. Comedy, Mm -hmm. keeping people laughing. That's a big reason why we tune into podcasts too. So if you can put together a topic with a clear person, with a benefit for that person, then you'll be light years ahead of most people who just go in and say, I want to have a health and wellness podcast. Mm. Oh, so good. I love so this. Good. So good. I can give one more yeah, pro please. or one more. Um, what would I do if you were starting a podcast right now? So my best advice is to pick a microphone. That's the piece of gear that I think is quintessential. If you want to have crisp sounding audio, I think people are willing to forgive a lot of things if the audio sounds good. So you can spend (laughs) 30 bucks even, or even if you have the white Apple headphones, even that has a microphone on it. Like Mm -hmm. that is still a level up beyond talking to your computer. Cause think Mm -hmm. about where does this is? Think about how far away your mouth is from the computer. Right. Like that doesn't sound good. Even putting Mm -hmm. on headphones that you already own with a mic is a level up. But the piece about microphones is really just the lead up to my real piece of advice, which is to start recording. I often get asked how long does it take to launch a podcast? And after working with hundreds of students and even clients one-on-one as well, I know that the single biggest determining factor in that answer is how long it takes them to record episode one, Mm -hmm. because people will wait months before they hit record on the mic, because there's this fear that your first episode won't be good enough. And I will just tell you that your first episode is not going to sound like what it does in your head. Mm -hmm. And that's because there's something I really like this piece of advice from Ira Glass from NPR. He calls it the gap. So the gap is the difference between what you know good looks like. You listen to a great podcast episode, so you hear it. You can hear what a good episode is, but there's a gap between that episode and your skill level because you're a beginner Mm -hmm. and you have to create episodes in order to get better at it. So there's only so much prep and learning you can do. (laughs) The only way to get better at podcasting or any creativity for that matter it's just to start doing it. So a helpful tip I would say is treat your first month's worth of episodes or even your first 10 episodes as a trial where the goal is not to feel like they're perfect. The goal is just to get it out there so that you can learn which parts of the process work for you and which parts you might want to tweak. So those are my two biggest pieces of advice. Know who you're talking to and just start recording. Yes. These are so good. So good. And I, we followed a very similar path. We did not have mics and we started with our MacBooks and headphones. <laughs> and then we got, we have mics now, but when we started, um, we did not, and we didn't really know what we were doing. I mean, we had done all the research and like you said, it was like, okay, it's time to just do this. And uh, if you'd like to hear some cringy episodes, guys, you can can go back to episode, episode like one through four, probably we're like, ah, Um, we made it work. And, and, you know, like Melissa is saying, like, you just, you just got to start because what you're worrying about, you don't even know because you haven't done it, you know? So just get, get your feet wet and, and dive on. And we promise it's, it's not, it's not scary at all. It does get better. As I was say too, yeah. if you wait until you don't feel like your episode is cringy, you waited too long. Yes. <laughs> so true. So true. I'm having like so many flashback moments too, even just like in terms of our interview process and yeah, things that we yeah. not like have questions and we would just kind of like free, free flow, you know, and, and it ended up getting so off track. Um, for a couple of episodes and the editing process was ridiculous and just all these things we didn't know mm-hmm. until we started. And so I, I love this conversation because I'm just having like so many flashbacks <laughs> those Triggers. early days getting <laughs> in the best way, in the best way, of course. Um, but no, I just, I, I appreciate this so much because what you're saying applies to so many areas of business too. Mm-hmm. I mean, knowing your topic, no, you know, that is what you do, knowing who you're doing it for and why, like that is, that's the winning, I feel like formula for so much and, uh, definitely for podcasting too. Mm -hmm. And then to just start just to, to jump in because you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. You can sit here and analyze things all day long, but, um, 
you're not going to know how to, how to edit something or (laughs) that you should probably maybe send some questions over beforehand or whatever it is. And you can refine as you go. So thank you for those tips. Of course. And don't feel like you have to start with like the hardest episode or the biggest question that people are always asking you start with something you feel comfortable answering. Start with a question you get all the time that you feel like you could answer in your sleep. Because if you can get that first recording out of the way, whether it's solo or with a guest, a co-host, whatever your format might be, pick something that suits you that you know you can chat about. And that way you'll just get the scariest moment out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think our, one of our, our first episode was just like who we are and what we're going to talk about on this podcast. And that was like, all we could handle. We're like, okay, perfect. <laughs> we, one minute. Got, got, I'm I think, done. Yeah. There was like a one minute, two minute episode. Um, so you talked before about like not making your podcast episode an infomercial. Do you have any other like don'ts that, uh, when you're podcasting that you should steer clear of? Great question. I think we could do a couple for different types of formats. So your format explains how many people are on each episode and their role. So some of the common formats people know of are solo co-hosting and interview, and you can definitely mix and match. So if you're doing a solo episode, I think the worst thing that you could do, the don't is to just come into it with absolutely no script. But on the other hand, you also don't have to write everything out word for word. I think it's really up to you how you like to communicate, but if you come into it with absolutely no plan, then your episode is going to feel very rambly. It's going to be hard for listeners to follow you on a journey. So what I always like to do, regardless of format is I write down one sentence where I say to myself, what is the point of this episode? What do I want somebody to get out of it? And that is my guide for the entire thing, no matter if it is an interview or a solo episode, but then if you're going solo, if you hate scripting, that's okay. You could write out bullets. Some of my students have started using a strategy I love, which is they create slides. They don't have to be beautifully formatted, but for some of them who are used to teaching and this worked really well for me as well, they just pull up slides and then they talk to those instead of having bullets. So find something that works for you. Those are some don'ts I think for the solo format. Then for interviewing, I still offer the same advice, feel prepared, go into it, knowing some things about your guest, because if you go in and you ask very standard questions, you're going to get a very standard, boring interview. So my don't for interviews is don't ask everyone the same things. Mm. I know that some podcasts have that format, even very famous podcasts have that format where they ask everybody the same exact questions. Mm -hmm. But if you do that, just be prepared to be a very active listener because the gold for any interview is really hearing what your guest says and then asking Mm follow-ups. And although I don't take notes like the way I would in a class during an interview, I do have my phone up on airplane mode and I'll write down little phrases so I can circle back. So I guess that could lead us to another don't, Mm -hmm. which is unless you mute yourself, don't type or use any kind of (laughs) handwriting because your mic hears you. Like she hears everything. Everything. So I use my phone because when it's on airplane mode, I have found that that's just the the quietest way Mm -hmm. I can take those little notes. But (laughs) I think those are a couple of don'ts for the interviews. Also, if you're the host, make sure it's not all about you. You want your guest to really shine. You also don't want to sway too far in the other direction though, where Mm -hmm. if you are the host, I think it's a disservice to you to only ask the question. And then 90% is the person you're interviewing. So you want to have a nice balance between both of you. Yeah. And then I'm trying to think about maybe some other don'ts. Maybe while I'm thinking you two are co-hosts. I think that's such a fun format. It's my <laughs> personal favorite. What do you think are some don'ts for co-hosts? Ooh, mm. I would say similar to a few that you brought up, just like not preparing <laughs> and, and figuring out because when you are co-hosting, you do have to kind of get into your ebb and flow and your rhythm. And it takes a while. I I mean, we've been working together for a long time, so it's a lot easier for us now, but it takes a while to figure out like who's going to come in at this time, right? Or who's going to do the intro or the closing and and who's going to do this follow-up. And so, especially if you're new to co-hosting, like you're going to talk over each other and and trip up over each other's words and it happens. But I think use those times to get to know each other's communication style Um, because it it is a little bit harder when you're working with someone else. Um, And I would say, get to know them and talk to them too, like outside of your podcast as well. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I, that similarly, I was going to say for us having a video component while we're doing mm. an interview really helps. Um, so if y'all don't know, we're actually on zoom right now recording. And so we can all see each other, which is super helpful. So that mm -hmm. like Alex was saying, we don't trip up over each other because it's otherwise really hard to know. Like you can't mm -hmm. like anticipate like, Oh, there's an awkward, like microsecond of a pause. Like I got to fill it with something right. and then you end up like stumbling over each other. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think the, the video yeah. uh, component is helpful as well. I would add to that too, if you're a co-host, um, to figure out what each of your roles are going to be within the podcast, because between the two of us, you know, Anna Laura does the editing. Um, we both do the show notes like during the episode, and then I will do the graphics, um, and audio clips. And so we've kind of broken and, and the, the show notes, the blog posts. So we will break those up you know, delegate the tasks, but I think it's important to figure out, um, if there are two or three of you or whatever, like who's going to be responsible for what, is there just gonna be one person or multiple of you? Um, and that'll make things a lot easier <laughs> post post-production, like, well, this recording is sitting in your zoom. I thought you were going to edit it. I thought you were going to edit it. I thought you were going to do the graphics, right? <laughs> so, figure all that out before. Yeah. I think to wrap up one more tip that I know we all believe in deeply is not waiting until the last second to do your episode recordings, because mm -hmm. we talked mm -hmm. briefly about the power of batching yes. your episodes. And I think as a podcast host, before you actually launch before the day, your first episodes go live, something that you can do that you will thank yourself for is to record, if not edit at least a couple extra episodes so that when you launch you're not immediately on this hamster wheel of, oh shoot, mm -hmm. now I got to have another episode for next week. Right. So if you can get a little bit ahead and then even think through your system of when do I record my episodes? When do I edit mm -hmm. my episodes? Am I doing anything in batches? I think the worst thing that you could do is to not have a plan for how you are going to become a podcaster, mm -hmm. because this is something that no matter if you release weekly or bi-weekly or you do seasons, there's a lot of flexibility in how often you can release episodes and no matter which strategy you go with, you still, I think, benefit from planning ahead and not catching yourself off guard. So the key to lasting as a podcaster is to enjoy it. And if it always feels like you're down to the wire, it'll never feel like fun. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is so true. That is so true. Again, trade triggered. advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm just accidentally bringing yeah. you guys back to like yeah. <laughs> the episode five and six dark times, which I do not mean to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's so funny. And this actually even ha just happened this year. We, we actually yeah. took a spontaneous unplanned break for about a month, um, because the nature of our, our lives got crazy. And, mm -hmm. um, so we, we ended up taking a little hiatus, but, but we came back. And so that's, that's what matters. Like you can always come back to, um, mm. but yeah, we're for that reason, we are huge fans of batching. So I thank yes. you for that. Yes, and, yes, um, yes. yes, knowing your systems, thinking through those systems, we're big fans of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and taking breaks is great too. Like, don't feel like once you start this yeah. podcast, you can never take a break. Right. Never stop. <laughs> podcasting <about> forever. <laughs> right. Something about it feels so permanent. Mm -hmm. And I would say, especially if you are feeling multi-passionate about different things, making a decision can often feel like the hardest thing to do. So advice I would offer, not just about podcasting, but even broader is don't feel like your decisions have to last forever. Instead, what if you made a decision today that you could commit to just for three months? Mm -hmm. I think one month is too short to know if something can work, but three mm -hmm. months is a nice sweet spot to say, what if I tried this podcast for three months? What if I tried offering a service? about one of my many interests for three months. And I really focused mm -hmm. on that. So I think trying to prevent yourself from seeing decisions as permanent will mm -hmm. hopefully free you up to make decisions and move forward because otherwise you'll just get stuck and you'll never start your business or you'll never start your podcast. Yes. Melissa, you are literally speaking to our hearts here. I know you guys are probably like, did they pay her to say this? Because you've been they saying did. the same thing all the time. <laughs> they did. They did. They all paid $45. Full. $45. $45. <laughs> Got it all. All of it. No, it, it's just so funny because we we say the same things that you're saying. So it's just, it's always nice to hear 
another woman in business, you know, have the same mindset, but is applying it to something different. Right. But in a way, it still all applies to your business and, and what you're doing. And today we're talking about that monetization aspect of your podcast. So thank you. And, and we hope you accept the $45. Um. <laughs> oh, I'm already spending it in my mind. So before we let you go, we have one more um, thing that we want to touch on. So throughout this, we talked about, which I really loved of, of using your podcast, not only as just like this direct source of income, but using it as a funnel to your other courses or offers. So can you give us any tips on how to use your podcast as this like marketing platform or even how to like market your podcast to, to show people like, this is what I have going on within my business. Definitely. I have so many thoughts. How do I condense them into a few minutes? Okay. So I think that when it comes to just marketing your podcast, I'll talk about the biggest mistake I see hosts making, which is that they focus too much on owned media channels. They don't get into earned media. They're only perfecting their Instagram grid. They're not putting themselves in front of new audiences. That's what earned media is. So I think what's challenging about podcasting is that there isn't an algorithm. When you have a YouTube channel, there is an algorithm at play helping surface you in front of new people. But YouTube has its cons just as podcasting does. Because earlier we talked about the depth of relationships that you can build with somebody as they listen to your podcast, you're with them on their commute or they're cooking, they're cleaning. You're really a part of their routine. So podcast listeners are really avid buyers as opposed to maybe somebody who goes to YouTube and yeah, you find a video, but then do you really ever go back to that creator to learn more? So I'm sure you could play devil's advocate in both directions, but I think that's the biggest mistake that podcast hosts make about marketing is that they don't diversify their channels. They don't put themselves in front of new audiences. Mm. And then to get into funnels, one of my favorite topics, I can talk about a few different ways that I use podcasting in my marketing funnels. So first let's talk about funnels that lead to the podcast. And then we can talk about funnels that start at the podcast, or maybe that continue with an episode and where they lead. Yeah. So leading into the podcast, I think a lot of people assume the way to market a show is to talk about the podcast directly, but because I'm a business owner, there are a lot of ways that people find Wit and Wire the business first. And then they learn that I have a podcast because I've linked to it in my freebies in my email. Welcome sequence. Mm-hmm. I surface my most popular episodes. I'm consistently bringing back all of my best stuff from the library because it's always going to be relevant. People are always finding you anew. And we tend to overestimate how much people remember about what we've talked about in the past. (laughs) So we've created such amazing content. Think about even one episode. There's Mm -hmm. so many pieces of content that could be turned into pieces of an email newsletter, social media clips, Mm -hmm. YouTube videos. If you're into that, there's so many ways you can repurpose one podcast episode, but also don't be afraid to just mention the episode again, straight up. So I think more business owners could reference past episodes more frequently. Because if somebody is already in your world, they probably want to hear more. You just have to tell them that it's there. So that's one strategy I talk about a lot is just people finding you in other ways. And another example there is I run ads for my business. I run Facebook and Instagram ads. Maybe somebody finds me because I have a free masterclass about podcasting and then they're on my email list. Then I start sending them that great content we've talked about. And now they've learned that I have a podcast. And now they're a really loyal listener. So even if they weren't ready to buy when they found the masterclass, now they've been tuning into my podcast for a few months. And when the time comes, they know me, like I'm their girl when they're ready to make that purchase. So -hmm. I think we also underestimate that moment that it's not just, oh, they have found a freebie on my site or, oh, they have found my podcast. It's all working together. The other thing I'll say about podcasting is that it can be used as a top of funnel strategy. And the way that I use it in that way, the most frequently is on Pinterest. So in the way that bloggers have been using Pinterest since the dawn of Pinterest time, I pin all of my show notes and that is how I get a lot of my traffic. A couple of my episodes have gone viral. And so I have some pins that are over a year old that are still driving traffic to some of my episodes. So I think it's pretty clear that there's just almost an infinite number of ways you can drive people to the podcast that are not just about you promoting the podcast itself. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the funnel from podcast on, but I also want to see maybe what you guys have done. How do you guys bring people into your podcast? Yeah. Um, really everything that you're talking about, I think is something that, that we have done. Mm -hmm. Um, 
like leveraging Instagram, of course, like that's, you know, that's how we, we met. And so it will always hold a special place in our hearts. Um, but yeah, talking about that on our Instagram, even on our personal, uh, our personal accounts, as well as in our email welcome sequence, we have a few of our top episodes there. And I'm trying to think we, we leverage Pinterest. Um, mm-hmm. so creating like an, a Pinterest friendly graphic, to link in our show notes as well. Um, and text, yeah. so, we text what? our, text yes. our community members too. When we have like mm-hmm. a new episode, um, we let them know and then like can send them the link directly via text too. So yeah, I've never heard of that strategy. I'm so intrigued by the texting. <laughs> it's a newer platform I feel, but allows you to really, I think, connect directly with your community mm-hmm. members. Very cool. Yeah. Well, should we get into the second half of the funnel before we do it? So once people are listening to your episode, I think a question that comes up often is what do I send them to next? Do I send Mm -hmm. them to a freebie? Do I pitch an offer directly? What's the best approach? And I sincerely believe in testing. So I would say for anybody tuning in, try a little bit of both. And I think that they have worked well for different hosts, myself included. Sometimes I think it's a better fit depending on the content of the episode to pitch a freebie. So mm-hmm. I have a couple of freebies that have worked well for me. One is a free masterclass. And especially if I'm doing a solo episode about the top trends in podcasting, let's say it makes sense that at the end of the episode, I might pitch that I have a free masterclass. If you are interested in learning how to start a podcast. So it's a natural fit. And I think that's why freebies can work really well right at the end, maybe before your like standard outro with the music, just tell people, by the way, if this resonated with you, or if you want to learn more, I actually have something for you. And by giving them a link to their next step and making that link free, you'll get more people, I think, to take the action. And the way that it could work as well for a client-based business is to offer people a discovery call. And something that I've seen other hosts do that I think is really clever is instead of calling it a discovery call, they position it more as a free strategy call. I know there's like a lot of interesting marketing going on there, but they frame it as a free 30 minute call and they get people to sign up. But I think no matter what you call it, the key is not just to say, by the way, I have a service. You can book a free call, sign up here. The key is that in your outro, you're in your call to action. You want to tell people exactly who it's for. So at the end of the episode, you might say something like, If you do feel like you're dealing with anxiety right now and you aren't sure what next steps to take, I am booking free discovery calls right now and you can go to this link. So if X and Y things sound like you, you would be a great fit and I would love to talk with you. So you have to really call out who it's for because if you just say, I have a free call, then your listeners may not have the clarity that you've painted the picture that it's for them. So I think a free thing can work really well. And if you are trying to go to a paid offer, if it's a client-based service, I would put probably a call in between, because I think it's a pretty far leap for most services, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing you could try is if you have a course, you could try selling people directly into it. I've personally had more success selling people into a masterclass that typically has a pitch to join a course because similar to the call strategy for a service, I think a masterclass gives people a sense of your teaching style. Mm-hmm, so even yeah. if they love you on the podcast, I do usually recommend some kind of middle moment Um, and those two go into funnels, but you can also try freebie downloads. I have a fun quiz on my website. So sometimes I promote the quiz because I think that's fun. And I think Mm -hmm. that fun matters. You can't just be serious (laughs) all the time. So I think it's a good opportunity to try different things and see what sticks with your podcasters, your podcast listeners, I should say. Oh my goodness. Yes. We, we love these tips and, um, thank you so much for sharing that. That really is like a, a great breakdown from, you know, your podcast beyond, but also like even to get people to a podcast, like to listen Mm -hmm. to your podcast. Um, that's yeah, no, it's just everything top to bottom. So there's your marketing strategy ladies. (laughs) So go try it out. (laughs) You have no excuse now to not try out these tips, right? Um, this is such great information, Melissa. Thank you. Yeah. And Alex said this earlier, but you have to tell people more than once. So if you only have one episode that has one call to action for one masterclass, the odds of that converting over time are not going to be very high. (laughs) So So don't be afraid to continue having a call to action in each episode. But my best advice is to focus on only one call to action per episode 
but you could change it up. So if in episode six, you talk about one thing, episode seven, you could talk about another. If you give Mm. people a laundry list, nothing will ever get done. Mm. Yes. I always say, unless you're Beyonce, you can't just talk about it once or not talk about it at all. And then just ta-da, here it is. And expect people to buy it. So yes, yes, yes. I mean, thank you so much, Melissa. I mean, from your background, talking about teachable and then giving us those, you know, strategies to, you know, how do we know when it's the right move to, to jump into entrepreneurship from how to monetize our podcast and shaking us to the core with that $45, (laughs) 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 but no, I mean, just so much goodness, the major do's and don'ts, right. And, and different formats of your podcast and leveraging your podcast, a marketing strategy. I mean, this episode is a gold mine. Um, and we know we will definitely be referring our community members to it frequently. Mm-hmm. And um, before we let you go, please tell everyone where we can connect with you. So anybody can find me online at Wittenwire. I mostly hang out on Instagram. And if you are interested in learning how to launch a podcast and maybe you want to learn some of the other pitfalls to avoid, you can sign up for my free masterclass, which you can find at witandwire.com slash she X shines. Wonderful. And that is linked in the show notes. So be sure to head over there and grab this beautiful freebie. Oh goodness. We're so excited and so grateful that you shared that with us. Thank you. You gave us like an entire strategy for launching a podcast. Mm -hmm. So girlfriend, if you are listening to this and it has been on your heart to start your podcast, like you literally have no excuse anymore because Melissa just busted every myth. She was <laughs> like, come on, like you can do this. You have this beautiful blueprint that Melissa just provided you. And also that beautiful freebie that she has as well. Head to the link in show notes to grab that. Melissa, thank you again for coming on and sharing such value. Yeah. Thank you both for having me. I loved it. Yes. So girlfriend, grab your freebie and until next time, keep shining. Thank you so much for joining us on the She Shines podcast. Before you go, be sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on the next episode. Plus, we would love to hear what you enjoyed most. So share a takeaway and be sure to tag us at SheXShines. And lastly, please take a sec to leave a thoughtful review or pass this episode on to someone you feel could use it. Until next time, keep shining. Cheers, girlfriend.